Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. And if you're new here, I am Kelly. (laughs) And I'm still Austin. I'm still Austin this time, too. (laughs) Okay. Um, Anyway, and I tell stories. I research. I write. I love to write. And Austin is my husband, and he has no interest in true crime whatsoever. So every time I tell him these stories, he is just completely flabbergasted. I was literally thinking the word flabbergasted. No way. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We're so in sync. We're Mm. so cute. Anyway, um, (laughs) do we just make you want to puke? Because same. Before I came down, and we came down here to record... Kennedy is watching a movie, mm-hmm. her daughter. Mm-hmm. And what she, movie? Peter Pan. Oh, okay. And she goes, okay, have fun recording. Try to tell mommy not to cuss. <laughs> and I was like, that's so random. That's so random. Mommy doesn't like have a potty mouth. No. Um, in fact, I usually keep it pretty clean. But, you know, Kennedy is very much the cussing police. She does not like to hear anyone say bad words. She gets after them. Say what movie this is. Ready? Mm -hmm. She shits like a sailor and she talks like one too. (laughs) Like a dock worker. Oh, shits like a dock worker. It's from the movie Change Up. (laughs) That's a regular normal. We often quote movies. Let's get into it, Kelly. Anyway. Tell me what it's going to be today. Today we're doing episode 134 and this is the story of Orshia Gall. It was the morning of Saturday, April 16th, 2022, when Glenn Van Nostrand was walking his dogs through Forest Hills Park in Queens, New York. This is ridiculously recent. This feels like a Mama Mystery headline. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a little over a year ago, but yeah, it's pretty recent. It's 2023. My bad. I was thinking this was like a month ago. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, so as Glenn was walking the paved trail, he came upon a big black duffel bag that was half on the sidewalk and half in the grass. And his dogs were pulling him harder and harder, closer and closer to this bag. As he got closer to the bag, he noticed that it was leaking onto the concrete sidewalk. And upon even closer examination, he realized that the liquid emitting from the bag was blood. Mm. Unsure if it was blood from an animal or not, he slowly and carefully opened the zipper to the bag and immediately saw two pale bare feet. No shit. At first, he thought maybe it was a mannequin because like we've been saying in the past few episodes, especially a lot of times when you see something that's just so unbelievable, our brain has a hard time registering it. So Mm -hmm. you often go to the safest most reasonable conclusion, right? Yeah. It's a mannequin. And that's a very common misconception when you see a dead body. It doesn't look real. It looks like a mannequin. But he was soon proven wrong when he actually touched the legs <sighs> and realized it was a human body. That's the heebie-jeebies. So Glenn, Would you have opened the bag? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have. I You know, I'd like to think I'm curious enough that, like, m- maybe I would, but... I've done enough of these stories. We're on episode 134 that I think I might just call 911. I can tell you a certainty. I'm not touching it. I'm not calling 911. I'm just going about my day. And I'll tell you that because I found a red duffel bag in Spartanburg, South Carolina, stuffed behind some trees. And I was so curious if that thing had 100 racks in it. And I was like, I ain't touching that. Kept walking. And and never did anything about it. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I, it ain't, that's not my deal. That's you not my. You could have at least called somebody and well, said, hey, there's a suspicious looking bag. That's not my business. I'm just minding my own. Okay. Well, to each their own. I, I'm sure there's people that would agree with you. And that's just funny because you and I are so different in that way. If I would have seen a random duffel bag just sitting on the side of the road or mm-hmm. not even on the side of the road, on the side of a sidewalk. Forget or, the blood, just a bag. I mean, even just a bag. Man, if it was just a bag, I don't That's know. That's what this was. This was a red duffel bag that was put in behind some trees in this little courtyard area of a building. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not touched. Because I honestly, I also thought, what if it's a homeless person's like only stuff? And right. I don't want to ruin that for them. Like, I don't know. I was just like, that's none of my business. But I still wonder to this day if there was a hundred grand in it. Well, I doubt there was a hundred grand in it, but you know, that, that is a good point though, that like, if there's nothing really alarming about the bag, then I probably would just go along my way yeah. also. But if I saw a bag on the sidewalk, half on the sidewalk, half in the grass, and there's blood on the sidewalk beneath the bag, I'm just going to call 911, but I, mean, I don't think I'm going to open the bag. I'm either calling the police or I'm going about my day like I didn't see it. I'll probably wait there, though. I'll wait for 911 to arrive so I can confirm what was in the bag. Let's keep and going. And then tell our listeners People, what was in it. <laughs> that's a good point. You got a reason. I don't. I'm just walking. Well, anyway, Glenn called 911, and when police arrived, they opened the bag, and they found the dead body of a woman. And they were actually able to follow a literal trail of blood all the way back to a house about half a mile away in a private gated community called Forest Hills. So at the house was a 13-year-old boy named Leo who was home alone and asleep on the third floor of the house. His dad, Howard Klein, was out of town with his older brother, Jamie, visiting prospective colleges. And his mother, or Shia, was not there, but he didn't know where she was. So police actually handcuffed 13-year-old Leo and brought him in for questioning before realizing he had nothing to do with this bloody duffel bag. But come to find out, it was Orshaya in the suitcase. When Howard got back home, he met with police and admitted to them that he had received some disturbing text messages from Orshaya's phone. One of them said, quote, your wife sent me to jail some years ago. I'm back, end quote. And then, spooky. and then a separate text said, quote, your whole family is next, end quote. That's creepy as hell. And he got these texts before even realizing that Orshaya was missing or found. So naturally, this left Orshaya's husband and children terrified, as well as the community. How could something like this happen in a private community where everybody knew each other? Orshaya was well-known and well-liked by her neighbors. She was born in Hungary and went to college in Budapest to study business management. She moved to the States after she met her husband, Howard. Howard is an expert in natural resources, including gold, iron ore, and lithium. He speaks regularly at conferences, and he studied at the University of Michigan and Columbia University before founding a financial advisory firm called RK Equities. The pair met at a Christmas party in 1994, and they had a whirlwind affair, writing love letters back and forth, traveling all over the world together before settling and planting roots in New York. After they got married, they had two children together, Leo and Jamie. Orshaya was a very devoted mother and absolutely lived for her boys. They were her world. 
She would throw them lavish birthday parties. She would host their friends and make sure everyone was well-fed and having fun. She was just born to be a mom. It really came naturally to her. On, on April 15th, the day before her body was found, Orshaya was so excited because she got to go see one of her favorite composers perform a live show at the Lincoln Center in Manhattan. So she went with a group of girls, and then after the show, she stopped at one of her favorite bars in Queens. She was somewhat of a regular there. The bartenders knew her well, and she ordered her favorite drink, a Moscow Mule. Is it Moscow or Moscow? I don't know. Moscow Mule. I think it's Moscow. Moscow. Okay. Well, before leaving to go home around 1230. She was attacked in her own home, as evidenced by the blood throughout the first floor and the basement of her house. And Leo, remember, was asleep in his room on the third floor and then was woken up by police when they got to her house after finding her body. Now, imagine that for a moment. Waking up to police at your door, asking why there's literally a trail of blood leading up to the house that connected to a bag with a dead body in it. And the body is a woman's and your mom's not home. Oh, and let's arrest you while we're at it. Like the level of trauma that this poor 13-year-old boy went through all within one hour is really unfathomable. Pretty wild. Orshaya's body sustained at least 58 stab wounds. She sustained defensive wounds, indicating that she put up a fight with her attacker. But this was clearly personal. And with no signs of forced entry, police began to, to develop a profile of Orshaya's killer. They believed that the crime was probably not premeditated, given how messy the scene was, and also because the knife that was found at the scene came from Orshaya's kitchen. And then also the fact that she was in a duffel bag that actually belonged to one of the boys was another indicator that maybe this wasn't premeditated and it was spontaneous. Hmm. Police believed that the killer arrived at Orshaya's home sometime after midnight and then by 4.30 a.m., a nearby surveillance camera picked up footage of the killer wheeling that duffel bag through the neighborhood. And I'll post a picture so you can see on our Instagram page, but I can't even, I can't even imagine that. I mean, this is just crazy. It's so spooky. Yeah, that's, can you imagine like looking out front and seeing at 4.30 a.m., looking out front in your front yard and somebody's walking down the street with a duffel bag and you find out that that duffel bag had a body in it? No, I can't. And is the whole body in it or what? Mm-hmm. But so she was a pretty a... small woman, but this was like a hockey Okay, so bag, it's like a big duffel bag. So it's bag. like a big duffel bag. Mm. When police went through Orshaya's phone records, they found that she had been talking to four different men on the night of her murder. One of the men was her handyman, but police wanted to speak with all of them. But before I get into that, let's pay the bills real quick. They say that hair care is the new skincare, but there is one brand that has taken it to the next level. With a cult-like following, Kitsch has created game-changing essentials that beauty enthusiasts swear by. From satin pillowcases to time-saving towels, Kitsch knows hair care doesn't stop in the shower. One of their best sellers are the heatless satin curling rollers. Say goodbye to heat damage. These are the originals, the OG, and still the best heatless curlers. So don't settle for knockoffs. Get the ones that started the craze. 
I got the pre-wash scalp oil with rosemary and biotin because I don't wash my hair very often and it gets pretty dry. So this nourishes my scalp and loosens any buildup that I might have. It smells like lavender and the biotin helps strengthen my hair. I love it. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know I've been talking about this oil for weeks now. It is so good. Right now, Kitsch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash mama. That is right. 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch, which is spelled M-Y-K-I-T-S-C-H.com slash M-A-M-A. One more time. That's mykitsch.com slash mama for 30% off your order. And now back to today's episode. On Wednesday, April 19th, while police were outside Orshaya's house, a man walked up to them and said, quote, I hear you're looking for me, end quote. His name was David Bonola, and he said that he and Orshaya had been in an on-again, off-again relationship for the past couple years, and that at one point they were even engaged. David Bonola entered the States from Mexico more than two decades prior to the murder, and he was a married man with two kids. However, he and his wife were separated, and she actually lived with their two children in the same neighborhood that Orshaya lived. No way. So David Bonola had some obsessive tendencies to his personality. He would become hyper fixated on certain topics and then consume as much as he could on those topics. So for example, on YouTube, he had playlists of very specific topics from how to seduce and attract women to how certain guns operate to violent stabbing deaths or rapes throughout the country. And these playlists would have tons of videos on them, all of relatively the same thing. He was a regular customer at a local Starbucks, and the girls that worked there became very uncomfortable anytime he came in. Like clockwork, he would come in, order his regular dark roast coffee with the pastry, and then sit at a table and just watch the girls while they worked. You knew he was a weirdo whenever you said he gets into rabbit holes like how to seduce women. Mm-hmm. That's something you do at like 12 years old. <laughs> Not when you're like you're pushing like, 40. How to make a how to make a girl like you. <laughs> but like when you're pushing 40 and you're looking that up, you're like probably, red flag. Probably kind of a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's probably for a reason that you're not going to rectify through a YouTube video. So yeah, the girls at Starbucks were pretty uncomfortable with him. And sometimes he would make comments to them. He would tell them that they looked pretty. He even wrote love letters to the girls and would put them in the tip jar. He would write, write poems and love songs and leave them in the tip jar for these girls. Twice he proposed to two of the baristas. And he was serious when he did it. So obviously there's some sort of disconnect here. Like There's some screws loose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Multiple times the NYPD was, notif- was notified of his creepy behavior in the Starbucks, but nothing was ever done about it. And, you know, we can say now that, like, why wasn't anything done about it? But in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about New York, like NYPD. Do you really think they're probably going to respond to a report of a creepy guy at a Starbucks? Well, and just in general, I mean, what are you going to do about a guy that's not, let's say they aren't super inappropriate comments. They're Mm -hmm. just kind of a weird thing, like Mm -hmm. constantly telling them they look pretty and stuff. Like, what are you going to do? Go approach the guy and there's nothing... I mean, tell him to leave, but like, I mean, it's I wouldn't a, think I don't there's know. a whole lot to do. Exactly. And like you said, you're in New York City. Like, 
Yeah, like this is this is nothing compared to what New York City probably sees on a daily basis. They probably look at this and they're like, that's child's play. Figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, that maybe that's just my guess or my assumption. I don't assumption. know. I'm not NYPD. <laughs> so David met Orshaya when he was hired to do some maintenance on their home. And they struck up an inappropriate relationship. And that is true. They did. And it was, but it was very tumultuous with the pair breaking up and getting back together multiple times. Police Behind their spouse's backs. Correct. Cool. cool, cool Police cool. actually found a note on the refrigerator that said, find a new handyman. But I don't know if that was written by Orshaya or if that was written by David. I don't, I don't know. Or if it was written by Orshaya's husband and, and if he had any inclination that, that Orshaya was having a, an affair with David prior to this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know. So with this, police set their sights on David, the handyman, and they started keeping a closer eye on him, monitoring him, and asking him questions. So we've talked about this before, but police do not need a search warrant to search someone's trash. And once someone sets out their trash, it becomes public property. So they're allowed to go through it. That Idaho killer guy, the code burger mm-hmm. or whatever, wasn't he like organizing his trash? Yes. He was like literally caught as he was sorting his trash, separating his trash from his parents, and then taking his trash over to his neighbors to try and thwart any type Bait of investigators. Interesting. So once someone sets out their trash, it essentially becomes public property. So they're not, they are allowed to go through it. Like police are allowed to go through it. So stealthily police surveilled David's home. And once his trash was picked up by a trash truck, the police stopped the truck and retrieved his trash. And sure enough, in the trash, they found a pair of boots covered in blood as well as bloody bandages. So, you know, police at this point bringing him in. At first, when he said that they were looking for him, I think they were looking for the men that she was talking to that night. I don't think he meant, you know, I hear you're looking for me, the person who killed her. I I don't know if he actually Uh. meant like, I hear you're looking for the people she was talking to that night and I was one of them. So that interaction when he shows up and says that, they just kind of ask him some questions and let him go? I believe so. Interesting. So uh, according to David's statement that he made to police, he said that he went to Orshaya's that night to talk about their relationship after finding out that she was talking to someone else. And by the end of this interrogation, I'm going to sum up for you what happened. But David said that Orshaya let him in, and once they got to talking, things got pretty heated. So she took David downstairs to the basement so that they wouldn't wake up her son, Leo, who was sleeping on the third floor. He isn't fighting or he isn't fucking? Fighting. I, I don't know what it means. She's <laughs> having an affair. Dude's over there. It's getting heated. I don't know. No, so he... <laughs> Sorry for the F-bomb. <laughs> just, oh, man. Okay, I'm just going to continue. Okay. So he admitted that he became enraged and attacked Orshaya with the kitchen knife, slicing her throat and then stabbing her repeatedly. And he then took Leo's hockey bag and stuffed her body into that bag. Now, in in the unsealed court records, according to Fox News, Mr. Bonola painted a relationship with Gall to the detectives that had turned sour after he believed she had been seeing other men and talking to other men. So he also accused Orshaya of giving him HIV, which is not something that we have, you know, learned whether 
It's not been confirmed either way, mm-hmm. if she had it or not, or if he had it or not. It's not been confirmed. But he told police, quote, she lied to me and she used me. She told me that she loved me, but that she couldn't be with one person. She took a phone call from another guy and said she was going to see him, and that made me angry. I couldn't accept it. And then I saw her with Carlos, another guy, end quote. He continued, quote, she kept saying, I hate you and stabbed me in the left hand, end quote, which was a wound that he sought treatment for at the hospital the day after the murder. And he insisted that Orshaya was the one who grabbed the knife and started threatening him to leave. And then he admitted he grabbed the knife and cut her neck. But I'm not sure that I really believe this. I mean, I guess it could be plausible, but I just don't believe that she stabbed him in the hand and he took the knife from her. I believe he probably sustained an injury to his hand because it's common for someone who is stabbing someone else to get blood on their hands, which creates a slippery surface on the knife. So you'll sometimes see that an attacker has wounds to their hands because their hands slipped down to the blade of the knife while they're in the midst of an attack. Makes sense. So after the murder, David admitted to police that he took Orshaya's laptop and cell phone and dumped them in the Hudson River because he was afraid that the devices might contain explicit content of the two of them. So David was originally charged with second-degree murder, criminal tampering, and criminal possession of a weapon. But prosecutors agreed to offer a plea deal by lessening the charge of murder down to first-degree manslaughter. David agreed to the plea deal and pleaded guilty to that updated charge. David Benola was sentenced to 25 years in prison and gave up his right to appeal his conviction. He also faces five years of probation after his release and will then be subject to deportation. Queens District Attorney Melinda Katz said, quote, this was a brutal killing and no amount of prison time can bring the victim back to her loved ones. Today's sentencing, however, provides a measure of justice, and I hope the victim's families can rest easier knowing that the person responsible was held fully accountable, end quote. So after this story went kind of viral, a lot of people were expressing their opinions about whether or not Orshaya essentially deserved what happened to her because she was cheating on her husband. And I'm not condoning cheating in your marriage, but to lack compassion for a victim simply because they made some poor choices is quite a reach. To say that she deserves she deserved it or something crazy like that, that's mm-hmm. way out there. For sure. And there is a lot to this story that we still don't know. There are a lot of questions we may never have the answers to. Like, was Orshaya trying to break things off with David? Was she trying to make a change in her life to reconcile with her husband? I mean, I mentioned that she had been chatting with a few other men that night, but we don't know the context of those texts, if they were friendly or romantic. Was Orshaya stuck in her marriage? Was her husband aware of her affairs prior to her murder? We don't know. A lot of dynamics and to try to make the assumption Mm -hmm. isn't really our place. Yeah. So rather than cast your judgment on a victim, I just want to implore you to remember that there are two boys who have lost their mom in a brutal and traumatizing way. And there is a family who lost their daughter, sister, and friend. And cheating on your husband should never warrant a punishment like being stabbed more than 50 times and stuffed into your son's hockey bag to be discarded like garbage. So I just want to put that out there because apparently a lot of people commented on this story as it was going viral saying, well, that's what you get when you cheat, you know, fuck around and find out essentially like that type of attitude. 
I just think that's really cold. And I understand that, you know, this is a true crime podcast and a lot of people who talk about true crime or consume themselves with a lot of true crime content might become desensitized to some things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe that's kind of the case online where some people were reading this and got a little desensitized to the fact that this is a human being Mm -hmm. who was brutally attacked in her own home and then stuffed into a bag and then her family was left to suffer. Like her 13-year-old was handcuffed because he was assumed to have something to do with it. That I part's mean, crazy. Everybody really did suffer because of this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like you have said before, though, that if I cheated on you, you would cut me. That's different. Oh, that's different. <laughs> that's called psycho. But that's different. So don't, don't cheat on me. If Kelly sounded angry this episode, she just has a headache and isn't in the mood for my shit. Well, I really do love you, but yeah, I'm just not feeling super well. So I'm sorry, guys, because this is like kind of a shorter episode and, you know, it's kind of cut and dry. There's really not a lot to this story, but... Still gets all these weirdos their fix of true crime (laughs) that y'all desire and crave. Right. Right. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, on to the next one. The next one is going to be on... Are you done? Okay, it's going to be on Taylor Wright and Ashley MacArthur. And it's a really interesting story. So I hope you'll stay tuned and listen to that. Um, And that'll be out next week. And I hope you enjoyed my drum roll. Mama, (laughs) mystery, out. Bye. Are you done?